please meet me in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And can you please stand to your feet in reverence to God's holy word? Again, that's 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And it reads, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus Christ. And what you have heard from me in the presence of mine witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also, sharing suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord I will give you un- for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Amen. You may have your seat as Pastor Todd comes. I mean, Pastor Joshua, you don't even gotta call out the introverts, man. That's that's not that's you don't need to do that. You don't understand introversion, I guess. Like, if that happens to an introvert, we want to crawl under the uh, pews. True introverts, all the introverts are like, what you doing call me out? All right. Note to self. Paybacks. That's not kind. I better be kind. Especially when you're in the pulpit. Well, good morning. It's good to be here uh, to you. We are in 2 Timothy chapter Two, this book was written by the Apostle Paul in prison, and he is within days or months of being executed. And so that's the framework we got to put ourselves into this letter. What, what he's doing is he's writing to Timothy. Timothy is his protege in Ephesus. And so Paul is in Rome, which we know where Rome is. Ephesus is somewhere around Turkey. And so this letter gets to Timothy because Timothy is growing very timid. He's very fearful. What's been happening to Timothy in the church of Ephesus, if you know about the church of Ephesus, this was a church that Paul planted himself. And then Paul left because he was an apostle, he was a missionary, he took the gospel all over the place. So he would just go plant churches everywhere. And then he found Timothy, and he saw the gifting that God had placed on Timothy's life and said, hey, young Timothy, I want you to pastor this church. So he leaves this church under the, the, the guide of Timothy. And now Timothy, because of what happens, what is happening in the church of Ephesus, is it's under a lot of attack within the church and outside of the church. So this is double attack. And if you know anything about um, persecution, it gets really discouraging. Both in the church and outside of the church. And I can speak as a pastor under persecution. It, it, it's like you just want to check it in. You're like, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. Like it, it gets hard. It gets difficult. It's like there's, there's other things I'd rather do that wouldn't bring the persecution. And this is where Timothy is at. And so somehow Paul hears word about where Timothy is at and sends him a letter to encourage him. And so we're in the middle of this encouraging letter to Timothy. Remember what Paul is getting at over and over and over again is this. It's all about suffering. 
So we're going to come back to this idea of suffering again this morning. Last week we looked at Paul giving Timothy some encouragement about his suffering. Remember last week we looked at God's part in our suffering and we looked at our part in our suffering. God's part in the suffering is it's by his power we're able to suffer. It's with confidence because of what Christ has done for us in our suffering. We remember all the promises that come with our salvation. And then Paul says to Timothy, but you've got to play a part in your suffering. And the part you've got to play in your suffering, you've got to continue to follow what God has set for you to follow. That's the, the law of God. Like you just follow this in your suffering. And then he says, and be on guard, guard it. And now, Paul's going to come back to this idea with Timothy about suffering. So this is what he says in verse 1. We're going to look at uh, just a handful of things this morning. Again, it's about put our mindset and our heart set in the idea of suffering. He says this in verse 1. He says, you then, he's talking to Timothy, you then who are under who is under suffering you my child that means that paul saw timothy like his spiritual son that he had uh, entrusted him he had uh, discipled him he'd been with him for a long time and so there's this this relationship that timothy and paul had and catch what he says to timothy in his suffering be strengthened by the grace that is in christ jesus that word strengthen, the first thing that we see in our suffering, that we will be strengthened. And I don't remember what Paul says later, other places in the text. He says, in my weakness, I, I am strong. And so he's reminding Timothy, hey, through this persecution, there is going to be an ongoing strengthening of your soul. He does not say to Tim Timothy, you need to strengthen your soul. He doesn't say, hey, you find the willpower, you find the self-will, you, you find the determination, you find, hey, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and keep on going. That is not what Paul says to Timothy. He says, hey, in this suffering, my child, you will have this ongoing strengthening by what? What does the text say? It is by the grace that's been given to you. So we get our strength from our grace. What is the grace? The grace is that gift from God that we do not deserve. So our strength is a gift from God that we do not deserve. And it's this ongoing strengthening of our souls. This is a day in and day out strengthening that comes from Jesus himself. So it's not just that we have grace from God in our salvation at the moment of our salvation, but it's this ongoing empowering through the grace of God in our lives every day. And so even when you don't feel strong, you can come back to this text, the promises, you are being strengthened by Jesus Christ in your suffering. Even when we're at that, that place of despair, even that place we want to give up, even that place of like just total exhaustion you ever been there before we can come back to this text and be reminded even in those moments the grace of god through jesus is strengthening our hearts now i know we we want the payoff right away and paul is going to say here in a few moments 
sometimes that strength doesn't come right away. Sometimes you don't feel it in that moment. Sometimes it's going to take a long time for it to happen in your life. But there's a promise that you will be strengthened. So the first thing we can have confidence in this morning is this. We will be strengthened by the grace of God through Christ Jesus in our lives because of what? Because of our salvation. So it does hinge on your salvation, but it's this ongoing place of your grace of God because of your salvation. So if you are not saved this morning, you will not have the strength of Christ in suffering. You will want to give up right away. So you have to ask yourself first, am I saved? Have I come to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior of my life? Because if not, you will not be strengthened. That, that's not going to happen for you. So have you, first and foremost, received the grace of God in the moment of your salvation? He then says this. He says, not only that, I want you to do something in your suffering. He says this in verse 2. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So not only this, we are to do what next? We are to teach what? About our salvation. So this is a command from God on your life as a believer. You are commanded by God to teach. So if you're in here and saying, I'm not a teacher, you're not, you do have no excuses. Now why would Paul Tell Timothy to teach. Two, two reasons, I believe. First, is it's a command, not from Paul, but from Christ Jesus. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 28. I'll read it for us. He said, and Jesus came to, this is Matthew 28, 18 through, through uh, verse 20. And Jesus came to them, that's the 11 disciples that had remained. And he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What? Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Paul is saying to Timothy, even in this suffering, you need to continue to teach. How come? Because what do we not want to do when suffering happens? We want to sit back and let it just ride. We, we want it to go away. But you've got to think about this. That, that if, if what history says, there's been 80 generations of men and women that have faced persecution but have been, remained faithful to the teaching of God's word. That's the reason you and I sit in these pews. And my great fear is this, that we will be under such persecution that we will no longer want to teach and then there won't be 80 more generations after us to hear the word of God. And so we are all commanded by God to teach God's word to people. That doesn't mean all of you are commanded by God to stand in this podium and this place to preach God's word. But you are commanded by God to teach God's word. Every one of you in this building have got to begin to ask God what? to give you opportunity and spaces to teach God's Word. Like, 
again, I, I don't say this to shame anyone. Rob ought not to have to be the only one teaching the men's Sunday school. There ought to be a line of men that say, I want to do it. Because it's a command from God. And all of our Sunday schools, we all ought to be teaching God's word to each other. That's a command from God. Now, yes, some are more gifted than others. I, I've been given the gift of teaching. But that does not mean I am not to teach. Or, or I, I'm just only to teach. I do not have an administrative gift in my body. And yet there is a gift in God's word that says we need to be administrators. But I can't just say, well, that's not my gift. I'm not doing it. No, it's a command from God that we do it. So that's the first thing. We are called by God to be teachers. And then I wonder, and this is what I believe to be true, what happens when we teach? You will grow in the grace of God. I promise this. When you make a choice to begin to teach God's word, you will grow in ways you never thought you would have grown. Because you're committed to the text, you're committed to studying, you're committed to prayer, you're committed to seeking, searching the Lord. So many people that have asked to become teachers, Rob is one of them, Miss Patty's one of them, uh, Jerry's one of them, the people that are like, hey, God's called me to start teaching. The number of times they've come to me and said, man, I cannot believe how I'm growing in Christ. Because they've made this dedication to learn God's word. And, I, and my hope is that all of us would have that hunger. All of us would put that time into studying. All of us would enjoy God's word. But here's the flip side to that coin. And this is what Paul is going to say here in a moment. I promise this. If you begin to be obedient to God and begin to teach and study, you will be persecuted. Like it's going to come, Satan is coming after you. Again, the people that have come and said those things about how they've been growing in the Lord, they've also come and be like, man, I'm under attack. I'm like, yes, yes, you will be. Why? Because now we, we're attacking Satan, and Satan is going to attack back. When you and I are not engaged in God's word, when we're not obedient to God, when we're not reading God's word, Satan does not care. But the moment I engage God and become obedient to God, the attacks are going to come. And that is what he now says. Now, because you've been obedient, because you're being strengthened, look what he says in verse 3. Now you're going to have to share in my suffering. Remember where Paul is writing this from. Prison. Remember all that Paul has gone through because he was a faithful man of God. And now he says, hey, you're going to suffer. And now he tells them again how to suffer. He gives them three metaphors, how to suffer. Those three metaphors are this. You are to be a soldier, you are to be an athlete, and you are to be a farmer. So the first thing he says, when you suffer, I want you to be like a soldier. And he says it this way, I want you to be what? A good soldier. What is a good soldier? We have men and women here that have served our country. And this is the number one thing about a good soldier. They are single-minded. When they go into battle, they are single-minded. They have no distractions. Could you imagine if we had soldiers that were 
scattered all over the place mentally and emotionally going into war, we, it would not go well for us. And so Paul's saying, I want you to be a good soldier, and being a good soldier, I want you to be single-minded. And the single-mindedness of a good soldier is what? To bring an attack against the enemy. Which means you've got to know your enemy. Again, I've never served this country, and I'm grateful for the men and women who have, but the number of times I've talked to men and women, they know their enemy. Like you do not go into battle without a game plan against your enemy, knowing your enemy. Because if you do, you will be destroyed. And so the first thing that we must do is this. We must be single-minded. What's the other thing? Every soldier that gets enlisted does what? They are willing to sacrifice their life. Like a good soldier has a willingness to sacrifice their life. How many times on the news have we heard men that aren't willing to sacrifice their life and they go running for the hills, literally, in battle? And what Paul is saying, we need a bunch of people that are single-minded, are willing to lose their lives for the sake of the gospel. Which means I want the guy next to me in my foxhole, I want him to what? I want him to be willing to lose his life. Because in losing his life, he may protect mine and vice versa. Is that true for us, church? That is what Paul is saying to Timothy. Hey, you've got to be single-minded, and you've got to endure suffering, and you've got to be willing to lose your life for the cause. Are we willing to lose our life for the cause? And then he says it this way. Not only that, he says, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is what? To please the one that enlisted him. So as good soldiers, we are to be single-minded. We are to lose our lives, but we must do it with pleasure. He says, that's what Paul says to Timothy. Do this as the one who you are trying to please. In our suffering, are we doing it to please the Lord? And then he goes on to say this. He says this later in Ephesians chapter 6. You can turn with me there this morning. And how are we to be good soldiers who are single-minded and who are willing to suffer? We must be prepared. He says this in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord. And in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, because we see our enemy, we know our enemy, he says this, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the day of evil. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore having fastened the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having the shoes on your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up your shield of faith 
which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Are we good soldiers? Have we taken up the full armor of God against the enemy to stand firm? Because I promise this, the enemy is coming against us. That's what we're going to see that here in a, a, a few chapters. There's terrible days that are about to happen. We're in terrible days. But how do we stand firm in the terrible days? We are reminded that we have been called by God to be good soldiers. Therefore, we must be willing to suffer. We must be willing to die. We must be willing to have a single-mindedness to us, and we must do it with pleasure. Is that true for you? That's the first thing he calls us to do is to be good soldiers. Next, he calls us to be athletes. Turn back to 2 Timothy chapter 2. He says, not only that, in verse 5, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. We know two things about athletes. Athletes have a real dedication. Like a true athlete really dedicates his mind, his body, his soul to one purpose, to win the prize. The same is true for a soldier, is true for an athlete. Have we have a single-minded and a dedication to the prize. It, it said this, not that I like LeBron James, and if you're a LeBron James, I'm not. I think Michael Jordan's the greatest basketball player to ever live and to will ever play. But here's what LeBron James does. Like him, hate him, he spends over a million dollars a year to make sure he's dedicated for when basketball starts. A million dollars on his body. That is a lot of money and a lot of dedication. If you've seen the documentary on Tom Brady, the things he does to his body is crazy. He's so single-minded to win the prize. And so for us, the first is true about us. Are we getting and preparing ourselves to win the prize? Like, are we that dedicated to what God's called us to? See, at the moment of your salvation, we talked about it last week, God set out a plan for your life to use you in mighty ways. But just because he made plans for you does not mean that he's just going to make it happen. There's something that you and I have to do in the preparation. Are we preparing ourselves? And then not, not only that, do we spend hours and hours preparing our minds, our bodies, and our soul for what God's called us to? And then he says this, not only that, but an athlete is not crowned or does not receive the prize unless what? He competes according to the rules. All athletes have to be in submission to a greater authority. Like every athlete that ever steps on a court, steps on a field, is submitting themselves to an authority greater than themselves. Could you imagine the anarchy on a football field? And like, hey, let's just do our own thing. It would be complete anarchy. But we do that in our Christian life, do we not? God's called us to do something, and yet we're not willing to follow the rules of the law that he sets forth, and we live in total anarchy because of that. Like God's law, I said it last week, I'll say it again this week, 
there's some things that are really clear in God's laws. And yet Christians are like, abortion, take it or leave it. No, God's word says no, it's a sin. And believers are like, eh. Marriages, it's really black and white. A man and a woman. Christians are like, eh. On and on I could go. And we wonder why we're losing. Because we're not playing according to the rules. God's law is God's rules. You have to know it to play by them. So do you and do I know the laws of God? You see, those Ten Commandments were given to us by God for one purpose. And the one purpose is that you would get the most out of life. God is not this God that wants to take life from you. God's the God that wants to give you life. Remember what Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life to the full. Well, there's one way to get a full life. Do it his way. You want a full and abundant life? Do it his way. Now, doing it his way, you will face persecution. But how many of us really don't want to do it God's way? We want to do it the easier, faster way. That is what Paul is saying to Timothy. Timothy, I know it's rough. I know you're going through hardship, but stay true to the word of God. And yes, Timothy, you will face persecution when you do that. But man, prepare yourself and follow the rules. That's what it means to be a good athlete. And then he says this. He throws in up being a farmer. All things I'm not good at. I'm not a good soldier. I've never done it. I'm not a great athlete. And now he talks about farming. I'm from the city. I'm like, Paul, could you not use some other analogies for me? Like, could you not throw something for a city boy in there? But he didn't. He says this in verse 6. Is the hardworking farmer who will always have the first share of the crops. So what is Paul talking about? We know this to be true about farmers and farming. Farming, back then, it is today, and a little bit easier today, but back then, it was really hard work. Like they didn't have all the machines that we have. Like they were out there from sun a sunrise to sunset, just tirelessly working the fields over and over, the toil that it took. You see, being a follower of Christ, it is hard work. It is not easy to follow Jesus. And so Paul is saying to Timothy, hey, just like that farmer that it took a lot of hard work, it's going to be a lot of hard work for you to follow him. You're going to be in the dirt. You're going to be in the ground. You're going to sweat. You're, you're going to get uh, roughed up. It's going to be work. But do it because of what the prize comes. And here's what else is true about being a farmer. It takes a lot of patience. But how many of us want to plant a seed and the next day go pick the tomatoes? Come on. Especially his tomatoes. I'm like, man, if he if I could just plant one of his seeds and the next day I go grab one of his tomatoes, that'd be awesome. But the patience that it takes from the moment you get a field ready to planting a seed to harvest is a long time. And that is true for us. 
And here's what else is true for us. Some of the seeds that we've planted, we may never see the harvest. I don't think Dr. Powell, when he came and became the pastor of this church, had any idea of the harvest that, the, that his work was going to produce 150 years ago. And so are we planting seeds today with the understanding we may never see the fruit of that? Are we working hard and being patient so that in the day, and he says it, that we will partake in the first fruits or the first harvest, there will be a day where we get to pick the harvest. It may not be on this side of eternity. It may be in heaven when we get to look back and see what God has done in us and through us and because of us, because of our submission to him. Are you a good soldier, a faithful athlete, and a hardworking farmer? I promise this, when that happens, you will suffer. If your life is not marked with suffering, I'd say this, then you're not a good soldier. You're not a dedicated athlete, and you're not a hardworking farmer. Because we'll see in a couple weeks, Paul says to Timothy, anyone who desires to live a godly life will what? Will be persecuted. It doesn't say might be. It doesn't say could be. It is a promise. You will be persecuted. And then in closing, Paul says to Timothy, in verse 7, he says this, think over what I said. Like, man, Paul, come on. Well, Paul's saying, I want you to sit back and I want you to meditate on what I just told you. Go meditate on how hard this is going to be. Go consider what you're about to go through. And then he says this, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. When we sit back and we ponder what God is doing, God will give us an understanding and then a willingness to suffer. Are we willing to do that? How many of us come to faith and we just want to blitz right to the end? But we must sit back and ponder, oh man, he tell, Jesus tells us, we must take into account, is it worth it what we're about to do? This is hard work. And you will face a lot of persecution. Life will not go the way you want it to go. I promise that. And you will question God. You'll question what's going on around you. But we got to always go back to his promises. God will always give us the strength that we need in Christ Jesus to be willing to suffer in all the ways that we suffer. Is that true for us? I cannot wait to get to next week's message. Next week's message is going to be about us now. How do we do that? By remembering who Christ Jesus is, the ultimate Christ. Let me pray for us this morning.